What's up, Nana Nation and lovers of the Awkward Throw Clear? El Jefe checking in at the Billy Shears Podcast Studio live in lovely Milton, Ontario. I got to jump in real quick uh, right before we start Aaron Schlupa's Awkward Throw Clear and just say, so sorry, we've been delayed by a whole bunch of things. It's been a little bit crazy on this end. Uh, it is the summertime. It's hard to lock people on t- inside a dark, cold, dungy studio when it's patio weather. So I just want to say, stay tuned in and keep checking us out. We'll have some fresh stuff coming up very shortly. Thank you so much. And please, please put your power of positivity together for one of our podcasting bros, Mr. Bob Walker. He's going through some family health issues right now. And uh, we wish him the best. Of course, we want him here with us. But of course, you have to take care of business. So please send out the power of positivity to the dozens and dozens of people listening uh, send Ball Walker some love, and um, we hope to have him in studio soon enough. With that being said, on with the show. This is episode 20 of the Awkward Throw Clear with Aaron Chalupa. <clears throat> Welcome back, low listeners. This is episode 20 of the Awkward Throw Clear, and we have a repeat guest, Travis Fortune. He joins me to discuss the Sedins and their great career. You can't argue that these two players were something else. They were amazing. It's that twin mentality of just knowing where the other one is, like blind passes all the time. And Travis being a diehard Canucks fan, he gives us his insight on the twins and what's next for the organization. So open your ear holes and enjoy the show. And as always, listen, like, subscribe and share. Cheers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the o- the <coughs> the awkward throat clear. Now, here's your host, Aaron Chalupa. How's it going there, Not After Thirty Podcast listeners and likers of the awkward throat clear? I'm your host, Aaron Chalupa, the Chalupa Cabra. Uh, joining me is an old friend from the Europe. Chronicles, uh, Travis Fortune up in high-level Alberta, working fires. How's it going there, Travis? It's going good, man. Thanks for having me on. It's good to talk to you. <laughs> man, you're making you're making this sound like a professional podcast, like what, on the sports shows when you know they have the guy call in and it's like, oh yeah, it's great to be back here. You know, love talking on the show. Yeah, yeah, I'm here at the Masters. No, yeah. yeah. So what's the weather? Yeah, yeah, I'm here on the couch. <laughs> My, my my favorite ass groove here. Um, yeah. How's uh, how's the weather up there right at this time uh, of year? Uh, it's we're having an extra long winter. It's about fifteen under right now. Still got a, it's a beautiful day out today. Well, that's good. Uh, about fifteen under, still a foot of snow. So sweet. It's definitely dragging on winter. Yeah, might have to go uh, take those dogs for a walk over at the uh, all the orphan houses there behind the office. Old Merle and yeah. Georgia and Blue and all of them. There's enough of them around there. There's, yeah, we got the high level pack of dogs. Oh, big around. time, Bo. Yeah, uh, Bo. All the all those, <laughs> all those wonderful animals. All right. Well, it was like uh, we're going to timestamp this. Uh, yesterday was the Sedin's last game of the regular season and the last game of their career, and you are one of the bigger Canucks fans that I know, so I figured no one better to talk to about the Sedins and Canucks than you. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. Did you watch the game last night? Oh, of course, yeah. Have yeah. On, have watched the last three games. Admittedly, I interest in the Canucks has kind of waned in the back half of this year. It's just it's been a rough few years, and but once, yeah, obviously once the Sedins made their announcement that they were calling the curious, it was appointment viewing for these last three games. Of course, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, like, you, were you yourself a, a big Sedins fan? Yeah, I was a fan of the Sedins. I wouldn't, wouldn't say I was a, a gigantic fan. I mean, they weren't my favorite Canucks ever. They're great players, but they wouldn't uh, surpass Luongo or Linden or Aslan for me. Oh, really? But... Or Joe Vanofsky? Uh, no. Vanofsky's got his own little spot. <laughs> but no, yeah, I mean, if you're a Canuck, if you're a Canuck fan, you have to be a fan of the Sedins. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you were, so, much for the, so much for the team, so much for the community and for the city. It's, but they weren't, they weren't like a, a big topic for you, like with your buddies, like, oh, we should trade them. I wish they weren't on the team. Like, we should get rid of them or something like that. Up, it came up a few times, but I think you're pretty misguided if you think the Sabines are going, were ever going to get traded. Yeah. It was, they're just, they're a huge part, huge part of the community. They're so respected by management here. And who the hell is going to trade for um, two guys that takes up $14 million in cap space? Yeah, totally. That was always a large part of the conversation when the, the trade Sabine conversation came up. Yeah, I was like, who's going to take their cap? Because they're a package deal no matter what. Yeah, you can't. You can't take one and not the other. Yeah, only in the NHL star draft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, did you ever think that the Sedins were soft? Like, I know there was a big topic like for other teams to really push them down. Like, I have a lot of, like, being an Oilers fan, I've had so many friends that are um, Habs, sorry, Habs or um, Flames or... Oiler fans as well, and they just think that they're the softest things, you know, next to Tootsie Roll Fruit Cup kind of thing. So I always liked them. I always respected them. I always wanted them on my team, and I always hated playing against them. But I didn't ever think they were soft. I always thought they were quite tough. Like, yeah, they might take a little while to get up, but that's because they might have been hit by a giant body like Robin Regeer or somebody like that. Yeah, um, I th- the conversation that being soft, I think, is absolutely ridiculous. Why? Because they don't go out and fight because they've never had a fighting major in their career. There's tons of players that have never that don't fight or fight once every seven years. Why? So they don't they don't fight. They don't go and rough up guys. That makes them not tough. I mean, between the two of them, they miss 84 career games over 34 seasons. I think that gives you a certain degree of toughness. So a couple of years ago uh, against LA, Daniel had a puck bat into his face, and it was a hockey night in Canada game. His whole front row of teeth got cleaned out. Mm-hmm comes back in the same game, so I don't know, man. The, I just laugh at people, you know, the running joke of Sabine sisters, or they're not tough or any of that bullshit. I think it's ridiculous. No, I, I can't agree more, man. Like, <laughs> you get a puck in your front teeth, I'd like to see anybody who calls them soft do that, too, and then still play that game. Like, I remember Ryan Smith got hit, and he's one of the tougher guys that, you know, in that has been played, that has played in my lifetime, and he got hit in the teeth from a, a wrist shot from Chris Bronner trying to clear the, the zone, and he went down. He went down for a while, and then he came back and helped out for the game winner uh, as the assist, um, uh, for the first assist on that. But yeah, like oh man, I think it's just because they're European. They're not really the toughest guys, like in the corners and stuff. Like you don't see them like 
really pushing people around. And stuff. That, that's not their game. Their game is finesse and passing and, you know, offensive. That's their focus. Exactly. They never needed to incorporate that into their game because they're so, because they excel so much in all the other areas. Mm-hmm. And that's the main focus for the, like, anybody defending them is that they need to be physical on those guys because if you're not, then you yourself are being soft on them. Um, but yeah, like the, I, that's why Alex Edler played with them. That's why Jovanovski and Owen played with them. That's why you know they would always every now and then have a have a winger play with them to kind of either protect them, help them out, or you know be the physical presence so that they could do what they needed to do or get that space they needed. Exactly. Yeah, it's, you could call it more of a European style of play. But yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's proven to be. It's proven to be very successful. I'm sure there's. 29, 30 other teams that have loved to have them for the past 17 years on their roster. Well, yeah, like you, like obviously there's tough uh, Europeans out there like Esatikinen and and Yager's quite the tough guy as well. Like not as in like fighting or anything, but he can take a few whacks. But like, you guys, you got guys like Alfredson, Sundin, Solani. Like those guys aren't really the the or like even Zetterberger, you know, is Datsuk. Like they're not really the ones to drop the gloves first and really start pushing back. Like they have their job on the ice and their skill, and that's what they stick to. Exactly. So I don't know. It's something that. Yeah. I do. I think. Well, it originated when earlier in the two thousands when they were they had all the hype about the city. It's obviously being second and third overall you're mm-hmm. a lot expected of you and before they'd really come into their own when they were still kind of third line players yeah they're still playing second fiddle in the west coast express so they weren't needed to push to be that those guys yet no oh, it was great for them to develop yeah totally like they weren't yeah. they weren't in the spotlight like expected to be you know taking over the west coast express like right off the bat it's like all right you guys are here uh you're gonna be on the first line and no 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 nasland and those guys they had it under control so they could go do what they needed to do and then the Sedins had their time to you know develop and take their time and yeah like you look at the their draft pictures now and holy man they look like they're 13 so <laughs> these nerdy little ginger kids from sweden <laughs> Uh, have you ever seen them play live? Uh, I, I obviously, you must have, but like, uh, like really, like see them play and just like, wow, these guys are on another level. Because like, I've seen them play on TV, and you're like, okay, yeah, they're pretty sweet and stuff. But it, like, it's the same thing with like watching McDavid or Ovechkin or Crosby play live. It, it's just a different thing. Yeah, I've I've seen them live, like in game in the arena, probably twenty to twenty five times. Mm-hmm. Um, and during during their heyday in that twenty ten. 2011 run. Um, it was amazing to watch. Did you go see some of those playoff games? Uh, playoff tickets were very hard to come by, so I did. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. We um, had to had all the viewing parties obviously downtown for the uh, for the cup final. Of course, yeah. It was quite the quite the ticket for a high school kid to get in and see that. Oh, and you guys were riding that big high from the the Vancouver Olympics too because you guys just had that the previous year, isn't that correct? Yeah, yeah, that was the year immediately before, so. Yeah, so I'm, it was a good run of hockey. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, eh? Um, did you ever meet them in person or have any buddies that met them in person? I hear they're just like some of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Yes, once one time I met Henrik Sedin. Um it would have been like 2003, 2004, somewhere in that ballpark mm-hmm. um, at Vancouver International Airport. I was with my mom, and she was dropping. We were dropping off her friend at the airport. She was going to uh, Manchester, England. Oh shit! And Sweet. At, Van- at Vancouver Airport, as as you walk in the door, there was the old baggage claim, 
and you go up the state up the escalator and there's Starbucks right there. Yep, and yep. Sure enough there's a Sedine and his significant other sitting there. And my mom and I both look at each other like, Holy shit. A <laughs> Sedine sitting there. So like, well, I'd love an autograph, so go to um go to the nearest store and I picked up a, a postcard of Vancouver and <laughs> shyly, shyly, sheepishly went over there, and I got Henrik Sedin's autograph on the, the backside postcard. That's some very quick and clever thinking. I never would have thought about that. I would have been like, uh, can you sign my hat? It's just like, I don't know, some random hat. It'd be like a government Alberta hat or like hack hat. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll sign this, but that has no significance to what the hat actually is. So, yeah, good job. How old were you at the time? Oh, so that would have been perfect, yeah. Like, you're the right age to get an autograph. It's not like you were 16, yeah. 17, and the guy's like, Some, ah, yeah. get out of here. 25. <laughs> yeah, that would have been weird. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Right on. And so, yeah, it, you got to, you must have had a little bit of chat with him or uh, too. Like, did you ask him, like, oh, yeah. Um, not, honestly, not really. He didn't seem overly happy that I was interrupting whatever conversation he was having. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I was. I was young. It was. I'm. I knew I was certainly intruding on whatever was going on there. So yeah, I know. You always feel awkward in those moments. You always feel like I was. Yeah. I was at this thing in Calgary, and they had about like they had Theo Fleury and Brett the Hitman Hart and all these other guys there, and I was always like, "Hey, uh, before you leave and run away, can I get an autograph?" And they're like, "Uh, yeah, okay, cool." I'm like, "You're awesome, man." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, thanks." Fleury was a bit. Uh, he was a bit chatty, though. He was he was uh, more than happy to talk for a bit, but you know, you just always feel awkward being that random guy. Like, they, how many autographs did they sign? Like thousands and stuff. But yeah, it was cool that Flurry was pretty chipper and stuff. I I asked him about his time in uh, Belfast and how he liked playing in Ireland, and I got him to sign my uh, Cal Colorado Avalanche card of him playing for that team. <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, well, I don't have, I have a couple of Flames ones of him, and I have a couple of Rangers ones of him, but, you know, like, I, I don't think many people in the world have a lot of Colorado Avalanche ones of him, so I'm going to get him to sign that one. Yeah, Avalanche or a Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, totally. The odd teams at the end of the career. Oh, and my buddy was like, frick, I didn't think he was going to be here. He, like, he was saying that he has a Belfast Giants uh, jersey at home, and he was going to bring it, but he's like, ah, because I was wearing my check one one of my um, part of Beach Day jerseys, and everyone was making comments on that. He's like, oh, I should have worn my Belfast one because it would like match like European random hockey like you. And he's like, frick, that would have been totally sweet to get Fleury to sign this like random Giants jersey. They, there was no name on the back, so it wouldn't have been weird, but yeah. Anyway, getting back to <laughs> Sadine talk after talking about random. Yeah. Um... The Sedins were huge for the Vancouver, uh, the Vancouver area. Like, what did they mean to the city? Like, they they uh, donated lots of their uh, earnings to the hospital uh, or hospitals in in the city, and they were always around doing lots of charity of uh, charity work and charity events. Like, what did they mean to the city and like the Connects legacy? Yeah, you mentioned it there. After after we signed the contract in twenty ten, they each of the or sorry combined they donated one and a half million dollars to BC Children's Hospital. Um, totally unbeknownst to anyone in management. Um, they just, yeah, went ahead and did it. I mean, they're just such a great representative as human beings of the of the city. Just, they're such a huge part of uh, 
Children's Hospital in Canuck Place in the yeah in the community I mean it's I don't know man it's kind of they're just yeah I said it they're great examples great leaders you know it's kind of like the people you want to aspire to be almost yeah well, I imagine they leave like a really um, lasting impression on the young guys like Besser and Vertanen and uh, Hor- Horvat and all those guys um, to like you know the what the, yes. the the crest you're wearing at the front you know it doesn't just represent a, a team but it represents a, a city and an area. Yeah, it's a hell of a legacy to follow for the next generation of Canucks players. It's um, you know you look up those guys and you have you have guys like. Excuse me, Bertanen and, and Troy Stetcher, who grew up locally. And yeah. Watched the Sedins through their heyday. I mean, Bertanen, I think, was born in 96, so he'd seen the whole thing. Stetcher's about the same age. And as as local kids, I mean, that's what you aspire to be. They're unbelievable players, unbelievable people. It's a great example to set for, for the youth of the area and for the next generation of players on the team. Yeah, it's got to be something else to, you know, see these guys that you watched growing up and then be able to skate with these giants of, uh, you know, hockey and, you know, be a part of yeah. be a part of their history and the team's history and, you know, and then making your own history and, like, you know, all of them are just connected. So, no, I can only imagine. Um, combined, they had over 100 points this year. Um, and you just notified me uh, before we started recording that Henrik had a whopping three goals this year. <laughs> Three goals and 47 assists. Yeah, you think he'd be like a defensive defenseman or something like that. <laughs> with, 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 with the three goals. He had something ridiculous, like only like 65 shots on net all year. Oh, wow. It was, there's a few times where it was excruciating to watch him not shoot. Oh, yeah, no, for he sure. Went, he, I think it was 53 games he went in between goals in the middle of the season. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it was, it, was it was kind of the same. And, like, uh, touching on the, the you know, the, the quote-unquote softness of the, the Sedins, uh, we kind of had the same thing with Hemsky in Edmonton. Uh, he, he was always criticized being a little bit softer European, and I always thought he was, you know, hella tough, you know, especially with the gear always being uh, a, a shaft on the back of his, um, you know, shoulder blades or something like that while he's down on the ice. And also, we'd be screaming at him to shoot as well. Uh, that, was, that was kind of a... A stadium thing is yell, yell at Hemsky to shoot. Um, but yeah, yeah, so this means had over 100 points combined. Um, I, I personally think they could play another two years easily. Uh, what do you think? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd agree, but I also think it says something to the kind of people that they are um, going out when they are instead of fading away into obscurity. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really want to use the Yager comparison, but Yager really kind of played himself out of the league at this point. Yes, yeah. At, in this year. And there's, you've seen other players going, like, just really hanging on. Broder was another one I could use. Yeah, exactly. I can get one more contract here, one more year. They know when it's uh, – they knew when it was time to, to call it, and I think it's a, it's a pretty good time to do it. Mm-hmm. I'd agree, I'd agree. Yeah. It's just, like, you see them play, and you see how much the city loves them, and they love the game. It's like – You'd almost want to, but at the same time, you are in agreement. It was the same thing with Ryan Smith. Like, he had a decent uh, season ender. I think he had, like, something like 25 or 30 points just playing, like, third and fourth line minutes. Um, so it's just like, oh, well, he could still stick around and mentor the kids. But, yeah, it was just time for him to go, and no one wants to see their hero um, just, you know, 
oh, limp along in their career to, you know, just get one more year, one more year kind of thing. It's not, uh, it's not what you want to see them do. Um, who do you think was the best, uh, who was the best, uh, line mate with them? Uh, they've had a few different line mates over the years, uh, that played the wing and they always got the kind of coined the, um, you know, the triplet and in my eyes, not just because he was an oiler, but I always thought that Anson Carter played, you know, tremendously with them. Like he went from Edmonton being a pretty, you know, solid winger to going to, uh, Vancouver and just exploding with points. Um, yeah. Would, would Anson, you... Anson Carter was the first one that really broke through with them. He was the first one that I remember because he had a great year. I think he had 33 goals in there in his first year. Sorry, I was distracted there. <laughs> no, you're probably look, you're probably looking it up. It's always nice to fact check while we're, we're <laughs> figuring out plans for the rest of the day. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's always a good thing too on a Sunday in Footner. Um, prior to Anson Carter, it was Jason King and Trent Clatt were his two line mates. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but no, the one, it has to be Alex Burroughs. I mean, come on. Burrows oh, a, God. I hate Burroughs. <laughs> Burroughs is a Canucks legend. I know he has a poor reputation around the rest of the league. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if he was on your team, you'd fucking love him. I mean, well, unless you're in Ottawa right now, they don't really love him. No, I don't think I would like him that much. <laughs> it, Burroughs has the biggest goal in Canucks history, arguably. 2011 against Chicago. Oh, okay. And he was, yeah, a staple on that line for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, did, I certainly expect Burroughs to go up in the ring of honor uh, I, once he hangs him up. Oh, yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll get he'll definitely get an, uh, an ovation from uh, Vancouver. Like, most people from that uh, 2011 team, I imagine, would. Like, BX will go back, and uh, Kessler will go back. Like, a lot of those boys will go well, back. Kessler will not be back. Oh, really? You don't think so? Oh, no. No, he's despised in this town. Oh, that's good because I do I do despise him as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I was a bigger Vancouver. I've told you this before, but I was a bigger Vancouver fan in the early two thousands. You know, with the West Coast Express and Jovanovski, Kluge, Matthias Holand, all those guys. That was the, the, the Vancouver was solid that time. And when Sedins were just making their breakout too, post lockout, pre lockout, and then after that, I just started hating them once they got Kessler and. Burrows and I started liking Bex at first, but then I started hating him too. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, they they also had uh, the line with um, uh, King there, and I think their their nickname was the Three Kings line. It was the mattress line. The mattress line. Two twins and a king. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. Well, I was well, I was just thinking King Henrik and King Daniel. Like those are you know. Old kings and everything, but that's that's actually a really clever name. That's very, very, very clever. <laughs> I couldn't remember that one. Um, yeah, it's just like when we had uh, who was it? Yakupov, Hall, and Nugent Hopkins. We called them the, the first overalls or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, what a terrible. Well, just one of them was a bust, and then one of them we got rid of. Thank God. Um, <laughs> we we won't get. Oh, well, we won't get into that one. That's a conversation piece for another time. But, uh, yeah, he's playing very well. He's playing very well, and he's definitely a candidate, but I still don't think uh, that reflects on the person he is. Um, <laughs> what are some of the positives of the, the Sidians retiring? Um, well, I guess you can finally close the chapter on the previous generation of Canuck success and really move on into the 
rebuild, retooling, whatever the hell Jim Benning wants to call it. Mm. But you can really move on to the next generation of of the Canucks now. You don't need to. You can. There's. I mean, there's two legitimate NHL top six roster spots that open up now. Yes. You can slide. Um, I'd assume Elias Patterson into one of those, and maybe Jonathan Dahlgren. He comes over next year as well. So mm-hmm. that and I guess cap space. Um, I don't have the most confidence in Jim Benning going into free agency. Honestly, an extra fourteen million in cap space scares me. Yeah. I don't know who they'd take or run at. Um, wasn't the biggest fan of some of the signings last year, but uh, I've seen Elliot Freeman float the idea of uh, looking to acquire contracts in in the style that Vegas did last year. Uh, two of the names he threw out there were Bobby Ryan and Marion Hosa. If those teams are looking to free up cap space, then they could incentivize the Canucks to take those contracts on. That would be I, that'd be something I'd be a fan. Yeah, they don't need to be haphazardly throwing money around players, but they're still a pretty bad team. Yeah, no, so I. They don't need to fill holes with players like Michael Delzato and Sanzani. No, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, they kind of go the way of the Arizona Coyotes in and uh, the Florida Panthers in the sense of acquiring those co- contracts and then also acquiring picks and or prospects is definitely a good way. Uh, those two teams didn't really do the best job of uh, managing those uh, prospects and picks, but um, that is no, definitely a good strategy. Arizona, Arizona finished the year very strong. Yeah, but... <laughs> Yeah, but you can put a make you can put makeup on a pig and it's still a pig. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, like Arizona, I don't know, like they always ha- kind of have flashes of brilliance here and there where you're like, oh yeah, Max Domi, oh yeah, um, oh jeez, what's his name there, uh, Dvorak. Um, oh, oh, those guys are all looking good. And, you know, Anthony Duclair, he's not he, he's not on the team anymore. But yeah, Clayton Keller, he looks sensational every time I see him. He's uh, he's awesome. And they always have you know OEK. Um, no, sorry, OEL. Yeah, <laughs> Thinking about Carlson instead of Larson, <laughs> but yeah, they have OEL. Like you know, so he's and then Anti Rant is not too bad either. But um, you can limp along to the finish line, but you know that that doesn't really say how you're going to be the next year. Like the Oilers, I think they had like five game winning streak before they lost the Columbus Blue Jackets, and a lot of people were like, "Oh yeah, well this is the team that's going to be playing next year," and they look all right. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I don't think anything's going to change. Like, you know, the, the tiger still has its stripes. You gotta, you might have to retool it a little bit. And just because it's the end of the year, maybe you're just playing against some teams that know they're out as well. And, or you just want to be spoiler or, and the guys are just having fun because they know they're out now. There's not this pressure anymore. So it's kind of hard to gauge if, you know, if the team is trending in a new direction or if they, you know, they're just having fun and things are clicking and you're just getting lucky. So, um, yeah, yeah, like, there's obviously a lot of things that are going to be come up with the, uh, the Canucks here, and they do have a lot of youth, um, not a whole lot of veteran leadership, but, like, they still got Alex Edler, and then Gagne, he's been in the league over 10 years now. Um, who do you think the next captain will be? I think it'll, I, it should be Bo Horvat, um, whether that happens next year or if they go without a captain next year. Mm-hmm. I can see that happening as well. Um, Edler would be a dark horse candidate for the captaincy, I, I'd say. But Just because he's on a, kind of on his way out and he's not really doing as much as uh, he once well, did? Well, Horvat is the, fut- is the future captain. There's no question about that. But I, I don't know, he's only 23. He's not the same kind of 
generational talent that you see in the other younger captains, such as um, McKinnon or McKinnon Crosby or there we go McDavid uh, when they got it. So I can see it being put off a year, but there's there's no question in my mind that Horvath's next captain. Um, is McKinnon the captain for the Abs? I thought Landis Cog was still. Is Landis Cog still captain? I thought so. I, oh, the pictures I'm seeing with uh, McKinnon here is that he just has the A. Um, but I, I could I could see um, your your case there um, comparing like well not your really your case but I'm kind of picking up that case now uh, where Landeskog is maybe more like a Horvat in the sense that he's not like the generational talent like McKinnon or McDavid or Crosby or any of those guys but he's still you know he's kind of an all around guy he does like penalty kill power play um, you know he is a leader and you know he Landeskog before. Uh, McDavid, he was the youngest captain, um, but he was born to be a captain kind of thing. Like that's what I heard when he was at the Kitchener Rangers. I was actually hoping the Oilers would have drafted him. Um, it was either him or uh, Larson that one year instead of drafting Nugent Hopkins. But you know the way you look at it now, all well, those three guys aren't doing too bad. But Landeskog, I think, is a really good captain player, and I could see that with Horvat as well. I agree with you. Yeah, and it also not just that, but it puts that stamp on. This is the rebuild. This is this guy is going to lead us into the future. He's going to be, um, you know, he's going to he's going to grow to be the captain with this team. Exactly. Yeah. Um, do you see the Sedins staying with the Canucks operations? You know, in the uh, like staying in the, well, you know, in the in the Canucks staff, like not on the ice anymore, but uh, you know, as a future coach or future coaches, like associate coaches, maybe GMs, scouts, anything like that. I don't, I don't know. I think they might want to take some t- years down the road, possibly. I think they want to take some time and just be... A family? Kids, you know? Yeah, yeah. Matt, was it ever cool to see their kids on the bench during the shootout last night? That, that was, was really neat. I thought that was really that was cool. So cool. Yeah. That was awesome. So, yeah, I think maybe somewhere down the line, but I don't think they'll be doing it yet. Because they are going to... They will stay in the Vancouver area, as far as I've heard. Is that like they're not going to be those, um, you know, the typical Europeans that as soon as their careers are done, they're flying back to their home country, Sweden, um, and just yeah, yeah. As far as I understand, like they are still going to remain a part of the community and be part of Vancouver, and that's where the kids will grow up. Um, so yeah, that's what that's the only question I've really brought up. I haven't really heard a lot of people talking about that, so I was kind of curious if they're, you know, I I, w- I would I wouldn't see why not the Canucks would. Um, uh, the, the front house staff there, or sorry, the front office staff wouldn't call them and be like, hey, do you guys want a position here or there, whatever kind of thing. Um, you know, maybe years down the line, they'd try to go for like, you know, some kind of coaching position or um, GM or hockey, president of hockey operations. But right now, I'm sure they're going to enjoy their retirement. Yeah, exactly. Kind of, kind of related topic. Burroughs has expressed an interest in being, uh, in being a general manager. Has he? Yeah. Because he's okay. the CBA front to back many times, and that's something he wants really wants to do in his uh, in his retirement. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, you know it's always nice to see um, hockey players stick in you know the hockey world because you know players they they know what's going on in the ice. You know it's kind of nice to see George Peros in uh, hockey operations uh, in the sense of uh, player safety. Yeah. You know because like. Interesting one, but well, who you know, he's he's one guy that's always kind of had to worry about. Uh, I don't know. I think it'd be kind of good to have one guy for player safety as a, an enforcer, so they can give their side. If you had a committee of people, I would say definitely have somebody 
um, that play the enforcer role to kind of express their opinion on it. Because, you know, you've watched those documentaries like I have, uh, The Ice Guardians and um, uh, The Last of the Gladiators. The enforcer role was, uh, has been and uh, kind of still is uh, a vital role for the safety of others at times. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, going on with the Canucks, uh, what do you see for next year? Um, you know, I, as much of a joke, I think, uh, Jim Benning is, uh, his staff and the, you know, the Canucks, uh, have really looked good to compete in the next coming years with their drafting abilities. Um, a lot of the guys they've been drafting have looked really good so far and are trending in that direction. Um, and they could kind of, I, I almost see Canucks kind of competing the way they did this year where there weren't you know a really bad team when they weren't really a playoff team um so i wouldn't see them making the playoffs next year but still kind of being a thorn in the side of some teams but you know definitely in the three-year plan they'd probably be competing for that playoff spot uh is that would you agree with that i'd like to agree with that they're not going to be competing next year they'll be a they'll be an okay team uh i think they'll be an okay team the defense scares the life out of me in a bad way or a good way? In a bad way. Oh, okay, yep. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, goaltending next year is going to be Jacob Markstrom and Thatcher Demko. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see Demko up in, up in the show, but I don't know, he's a rookie goalie that doesn't, they don't take the lead by storm too frequently. No. Um, and then it's going to be the prospects coming up. Um, can Vertanen's looked great in the back half this year. Goldobin slowly starting to maybe figure it out. I still have questions about him. Uh, Brendan Leipzig looks like one hell of a pickup from from Vegas at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree with that. And then uh, Adam Gaudet. I have my questions about Gaudet, but we'll see about that. Um, and then Elias Pettersson, who's a very prolific scorer from the Swedish League, 19 years old, uh, led the league in scoring. He'll be coming over Jonathan Dahlin, who they picked up um, from Ottawa in the Burroughs trade last year. He'll be coming over. Um, they have two junior guys, Cole Lind and Jonah Gadjevich. Yeah, he was from uh, Owen Sound, uh, the attack. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And Lind from Kelowna. They both should be moving into uh, into Utica next year. So the help's there. They're going to have another, they, unless they get phoned by the lottery again, they should have <laughs> another high pick again this year. Yeah. So I, not going to be Erasmus Dahlin, the looks of it. Uh, still some exciting looking players at the top end of that oh for I mean, sure exciting forwards um in the, within the top five but i think they need defensive help more than more than anything i would agree with that yeah for the for the canucks for sure you know it's kind of a funny place for the oilers um because you know, we've had such uh, problems with the wingers these days and then also this question on defense as well like you know for that uh, uh that one or two defenseman kind of thing but you know there's uh, there's a few guys that i've been looking at for for the Oilers, for wingers more so with that scoring touch that could complement mcdavid um is there anybody in particular that you're looking at uh that you it's kind of on your wish list for the canucks besides obviously rasmus dalin and those kind of high-end picks that the canucks might not be able to get but you never know they might be uh like they might be the dallas stars or the philadelphia sorry the yeah. Yeah, the, or the, uh, what was it, Fl- the Flyers? The Flyers jumped up Philly big time? And Philly and Jersey went 1-2 last year. They're both in the playoffs. So yep, yep. That's going to happen this, next year, but... No, but I meant like they jumped up there for the draft, yeah. Yeah, I really like Phil Tadina out of Halifax. Mm-hmm. He's a hell, hell of a player. I like Phil Tadina. He's 
more than likely going to be gone by the time the Canucks pick. Yeah. I, I'd reckon the top four is going, or sorry, the top five, I think, is going to be um, Dahlin, Adam Bokvist, Svechnikov, out of Barry, mm-hmm. Zadina, and then uh, Brady Kachuk. I thought, that's my guess in the top five. Yeah. And then you're looking at um, Quentin Hughes out of the University of Michigan mm-hmm. is a, def- a def- smaller defenseman. Uh, but the Canucks, I think the Canucks need defensemen, man. There's not a, not a lot going on back there. Yeah, no, that would be the obvious choice in my mind. Um, yeah, they, they definitely need a or few more defenders. You could go best player and then hopefully trade for once they develop, trade for something. Yeah, or or trade up or trade down. You never you never know. Like, yeah. Um, I like Wallstrom. Uh, I think that yeah, I think that he'd be a really good compliment for the Oilers on on the wing side, especially like um, I think he's a right winger. I think that'd be really good because he's also a bit bigger. You know, so you got Kyler Yamamoto, who's quite small, significantly small. <laughs> like I think Noah Stevens gives a, a run for uh, you know height comparison to Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, and then Wallstrom, I believe he's six foot one or six foot two already. So, um, and he's been developing really well with the uh, what is it, the USDTP or something like that. I can't US remember. There you go. I really don't care about them too much most of the time. So, <laughs> um, the only time I really pay attention to them is when they're second place or you know lower. So that's always nice. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, have you heard of, uh, uh, speaking of this draft, we'll go on to the 2019 draft, which will be in Vancouver. Have you heard of the Walgrens? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Okay, so this is, the, I just noticed this today when I was looking up some Zidane videos and stuff like that. Um, they are identical twins from Sweden. They play for Moto. They are center and left wing, and they are eg- eligible in 2019 in Vancouver. Oh, do you think Benning would make a stab at acquiring these players? They are ranked 85th, that's Joel, and then 137th, and that's Max. Sure, why not? It works first. <laughs> yeah, like, I think that, like, you know, if you had a couple, like, spare third-round picks or something like that, like, why not just try to draft them as a pair? I think, you know, might as well try that experiment. Oh, that'd be just ridiculous if Vancouver hit uh, struck gold twice there. That'd be hilarious. Identical Swedish twins. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be something if that. Or you know they could always go uh, undrafted and uh, pick up two players, uh, Colin and Stuart Eisner, identical twins from uh, Caledonia, Ontario. (laughs) I don't think that's gonna happen. No, I don't think so either. That would be pretty funny. Uh, if you guys haven't heard the uh, the previous podcast, I interviewed one of my friends, Colin Eisner. Him and his uh, brother are identical twins, and they played uh, hockey together. Uh, one's defenseman, and one's, uh, I think, one's center. But, uh, yeah, it's just like, oh, you guys are the Canadian cities, but uh, not as good. And he's like, yeah, no, but we're tough, so... Um, all right, we're just going to wrap this up. I have some city and trivia for you. Oh, God. All right, um... Who had more points in the 2011 playoffs, Henrik or Daniel? Am I allowed to look it up? Nope. Mm-hmm. Got to answer quick, buddy. Henrik. He did. Yep. Nice. He also finished uh, the playoffs with the most points on the team. And then, and then Daniel and then Kessler. Uh, who's older? Daniel. Henrik. Damn it. Yeah. By three minutes, right? 
Uh, yeah, something, something really small. Usually twins are like six or eight minutes apart, but yeah, it was, it was super close. Um, who was picked second overall? Daniel was. That's why he was 22. Yep. Well, it was, is that why he was 22? I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, to me, it was uh, second. Uh, yeah, Daniel, you, you got that great. I always thought that it was Daniel and Henrik because alphabetically. Uh, who has played more games? More games. Uh, in, in the NHL, I should say. Uh, yes, that's correct. Henrik played more. Yeah. Uh, who is taller? And uh, there, there's no trick questions here either. It's not like they're, they're both the same or whatever. It's, yeah, it's either one or the other. Henrik? Yep, that's correct. Man, you're doing well. Look at you go. Uh, which team did they play for in Sweden? Yeah, I kind of gave that one away a little bit earlier. Uh, yeah, yeah, everyone should know that one. Uh, Forsberg also played Moto too, I think, right? Yep. yep. So did uh, Victor Hedman was there as well. Mhm. Mm and there was another um, Naslin too, I believe. Yeah, Naslin was there. Yeah. A, a lot of players came out of Orange Cassidy. Mhm. Mm uh, which Sedine is left-handed for everyday tasks? So like, left-handed for writing or you know swinging a hammer or something like that. Henrik. Daniel. Yep. <laughs> hmm. okay. Yeah, maybe I screwed it up. But as far as I looked it up, <laughs> maybe as far as my research goes, it was, it's Daniel who's the left-handed one. Yeah, maybe you, you should remember. You should remember this from when uh, Henrik signs your postcard for you. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, of course. How could I forget? Yes, it's okay. burned into my brain. Um, what number did Henrik wear while competing for gold, the gold medal uh, winning team uh, in 2006 Olympics? It it was not thirty three. Freddie Mo Freddie Modine were uh, were th were thirty three. Really? Yep. Why was? Oh, okay. It, it's funny that Modine wouldn't give him the thirty three because he's a bit more iconic than himself. Sixty six? I'm not sure. Nope. It was number twenty. Huh. Which is kind of funny yeah. to me because you think they go the double digits like they you know always do kind of thing. All right, that completes the Dean Trivia. You did pretty well there, Trav. I think you got, what was it, three out of seven or something like that? Three out of seven. Great success rate. Well, no, I meant like you got wrong. <laughs> well, yeah. only marginally better. Yeah, not that bad. All right, well, yeah, that's pretty much everything you, I wanted to talk to you about. Um, I'm going to be trying to go around to all my buddies that uh, like random Canadian hockey teams so we can kind of get a lowdown of <laughs> this season and the upcoming season uh, and then the draft as well. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Mm, no, I think we pretty much got her covered, man. All right, fair enough. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for chatting with me. What else you got planned for the rest of the day? Maybe a nap or two? Was the big party last night? No, I already took care of the nap today. Well, that's good. Uh, got a clean personal truck, got a clean work truck, so might probably take care of those. You're going to clean the work truck on a day off? Well, I was supposed to get detailed, but it never got detailed. Oh. It's, just a, it's a disaster there. Actually, it's, the lake's still plenty frozen, so I might go for a skate again this afternoon. Oh, there you go. That's all right. Call up Marcus. Yeah, outlast me and me and one of the fellows out last night for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty nice still. Sweet, sweet. You guys going to compete for that Coast to Coast Cup this year or what? <laughs> Trophy still sitting in the gazebo. Yeah, no, we got to get that going one of these days. I built that with, uh, who did I build that with? Noah and Rowan, and we didn't get a 
compete for the thing, poor guys. We'll name it the Chalupa Cup. Oh yeah. Honor. Oh, yeah. for uh, for for all the for all the retired forestry firefighters that uh, had to grow up one day. <laughs> had to grow up one day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Your life is sick. Like you're back brewing beer. Years be back fire. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, that always happens. Just something goes on. It's like, oh, I gotta make some money one day. Girlfriend wants me out of the house. All right. Well, thanks a lot, man. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Hopefully, you have a good fire season. We'll keep in touch. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you later. All right.